And now, streaming live from Chicago, Illinois, it's the comedy show with a podcasting habit, Starlight Radio Dreams! Tonight's episode is Season 5, Episode 6, The April Showers Power Hour, featuring Lesser to None, Boozlers in the Basement, Samuel Spruce and the Legend of Garbage Day, Public Domain Adventure Team, Total War, and Bigfoot Watch. Now, here is your host, a man so metal he needs an industrial sander to trim his beard, Burlington Showtime! Good evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you back with us for this amazing evening of entertainment. I am so excited for all of the things that we've got in store for you that I cannot even contain myself. But as per usual, there is so much content that I am being extremely limited in the amount of time I get to talk to you. And I have a story. So let's crack right into the evening. You see, springtime has been hard for the Showtime family ever since our very own Age of Reason began. The year was 1992, and I was visiting my brother's family near the local zoo. As per usual, Uncle Burlington was the sacrificial punching bag for the day. Now, I remember a time when a straw bolt, a straw boater and a frock coat were the height of fashion in the springtime. Sadly, that memory and this one are not the same one. Speaking of, has anyone else found that their favorite clothes have changed over the course of this pandemic? I feel as though in the before times, I could have cared less about my shirts in favor of jackets, shoes, and cufflinks. And now that no one has seen me from the chest down in a solid year, I'm starting to find a new appreciation for the way my shoulders are fit into things. And I'm not so set in my ways now, am I, girls? What was I saying? Right, I was telling you about my springtime family traditions. You see, when the showtimes gather in the spring, it's for a very special yearly event that our family has observed for time immemorial. While the next generation may not have as much time for it, we still cherish the old ways. You see, I arrived with a dozen farm-fresh eggs, free-range, mind you. Now, we don't cook in my house, so let me tell you, it was very difficult to find a way to purchase a dozen eggs that weren't already made into a quiche. We gathered in the backyard of my, uh, of my brother and his wife and the, the, little, the girls. Megan cited statistics to us about how the Earth was spinning ludicrously fast. And Devon told us about all about her pangolin friends in the new enclosure being built for the cheetahs. As the sun was setting, the girls started to fade and slept there on the lawn as the rest of us drank wine and enjoyed the brisking air. A small fire was set where we warmed our feet and watched the flames. At just about midnight, we prodded the girls awake and gave them their very own fresh eggs. We all spent a good hour trying to catch the exact moment of the equinox when the balancing of eggs was possible on their points. Now, of course, there's more to it than just the standing of eggs, of course. Every year, there comes the intoning of the traditional words. God damn it! And the continual reminder that this isn't a competition from adults who are definitely still going to treat it as a competition if they win. It was this year that Megan began to question whether the gravitation of the Earth could possibly be that different one day out of the year. We insisted, of course, generations of showtimes had gone through this ritual, and silly though it may be, it was still definitely because the equinox has special power over the ovum of domesticated chickens. The girls then proceeded to balance eggs at every chance for the rest of the year. Devin even did it with echidna eggs, which no one thought was a good idea, least of all the echidnas. The following year, we still stayed up late, drank wine, and ate quiche. But we let the girls sleep. Which, thinking back on it now, might have been all they wanted to begin with. Now, perhaps your family has a different springtime tradition. I know a great many who will gather around with their families over a tradition that might also have become less important than the gathering itself. For you, we have a very special short featuring someone who may be able to bring back a little bit of that childlike wonder. Please enjoy Lesser to None. Hello, I'm Hopsy Daisy Bookwick, the Easter Bunny. Welcome to my podcast, Lesser to None, where holiday heroes get to just be themselves. Last week, St. Patrick told us about his innovative incorporation of psychedelics in herding snakes. This month, hey, it's Easter. 
Spotlight is on me. Here to help navigate my confusing existence is my good friend in size of Faye, the Tooth Fairy. How's it going, Hopsy Daisy? Easter demands were killer this year, you know? I think I've got inflammation all through my hindquarters. I know, don't I know? Have you tried CBD? Always got a solution, don't you? Welcome back to the show, Faye. What you been up to? The amount of jaw grinding and thus tooth cracking during the pandemic has caused a huge spike in molar collection. Oh yeah, and the sugar intake increase can't have helped either. I suppose you know all about that. If only people had known to invest stock in jelly beans, Cadbury, and marshmallow peeps. We never know, do we? The stock market is like reading tea leaves. No one really understands it. Well, the Feast Senate Council members' personal portfolios somehow managed to go up every freaking year. So somebody knew. Oh, you're so silly. Anyway, there's a molar surplus, so I've been making some mosaics and donating to some groups working to improve fairy housing. Charitable groups providing for basic fairy needs? Yeah, I have more than I need, so I donate. It's the right thing to do. But you shouldn't have to. Shouldn't the Feast Senate be doing that? Well, you don't expect them to actually function, do you? They have higher enough expectations for us, I have high expectations for them. I think you're gonna make yourself upset if you raise your hopes there. This year, the Evolution Committee introduced yet another piece of legislation earmarking a third set of teeth in humans in middle age. If they're all cracking, that sounds good. Also, wiggly loose teeth could replace fidget spinners. The economic boost would support the entire Feywild, but... You know, the bill will probably languish in committee forever like every other year, so I try not to think about it. I just focus on my own damn life, you know? Now, Hopsy Daisy, let's focus on you. How are you handling Easter time this year? The pressure is so bad. Faye. This year, the egg variety demand was absurd. All organic, non-GMO, all synthetic, hypoallergenic, sugar-free, fructose-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free. You gotta see it as innovation, Hopsy. You gotta adapt to survive. Meanwhile, has anybody freed the hens? I feel terrible about what's happening to my suppliers. What can you do about it? If you're stressed out about their problems, you're not going to solve your own. You said things were killing you. While I'm hopping my hindquarters raw, I get these angry shareholders telling me my performance is low. I'm satisfying millions of spring-enthused prepubescent children's sweet tooths. Meanwhile, confusing them about how reproduction works. How many kids think mammals lay eggs now? Maybe think about collaborating with the platypus. You need to work smarter, not harder. Hey, you're not hearing me. No more moping. You need to get some consultants in to give you new technology options. I hear Jack of the Lantern has a really effective 10-part solution. Like I have the cash flow for those. Of course, I'd prefer easily stackable Russian nesting baskets that take up less storage. And I'd love to buy biodegradable ones, but they cost twice as much. You're underwater from the plastic grass lawsuits, aren't you? That was a situation I inherited from my predecessor, and I cannot comment. Settlement came with a gag rule. But as long as we're talking about previous generations... Oh, let's not play the blame game. Previous generations had it easy. The cost of holiday mascot education. Oh, come now. They did the best they could with what they had. You gotta quit all this complaining, Hopsy Daisy. You gotta let me vent, Faye. It's my show, isn't it? And I need you to make me a safe, supportive space. It's a podcast. 
You're gonna broadcast this to the internet. It's not safe. The subscribers will sort out their feelings in the chat. I need you to be supportive. You'd have more followers and subscribers if you weren't so bitter. Let's think about your self-care routine. Who has time for that? Or money, either. Listen, unlike me, you get time off. You have a busy season and you get to rest. Busy season is killing me. No sleep, no help, just constant demand. Oh, yeah? Try making it through an all-year-round nightly slog. You know what? What? I'm sorry. What? We shouldn't fight. But that's just what the billionaires want us to do. They want us to fight each other, but we need to talk about the real reason things are so hard. We're all hampered by the monopoly of you-know-who in the North Pole. Well, I mean, jealousy and resentment of his success won't do you any good. His workforce and logistics networks dwarf ours, and he surfs on tax breaks. He can get anything he needs cheaper and faster. Oh, come on, let's think positively and not make enemies. Mr. Claus is a superb businessman. Maybe you should reach out to him for that mentorship you want. Are you kidding? If he said yes, he'd ply me with eggnog and schnapps and take me reindeer hunting like the CEO bro he is. Steal my trade secrets and make competitive products and then offer to buy me out and increase his hold on all holiday action. That was... Awfully specific. Now is actually a good time to provide some support to some of Santa's workers, the elves. Some of you may remember Twinkle Sprinkle McBinkle, who came on our show last year. Oh, I remember her. You did invite the big guy, didn't you? But of course, he was too busy, so he sent the elf girl. Is that what this is about? No! Twinkle Sprinkle McBinkle is president of the North Pole chapter of the Elfin and Gnomish Laborers Union. Popsy daisy You don't want to start throwing around the U-word. Come now. Remember, podcast, into the internet. You never know who's listening. But we should talk about it. Sprinkle McBinkle and her fellows are fighting the tyrant, and we should too. We need to make shareholders and the Feast Senate care about our well-being. We shouldn't be killing ourselves for their profits. We need a union. He can't. Oh my god, a hole in the ceiling. Figures in black fatigues are bungeeing down. Uh, hello? I'm the Easter Bunny. What are you... Run, Faye! What is the meaning of this? Let me go! No! Daisy, unhand him, you fiend! <laughs> Oh my god! Where are you taking him? Who are you? What are you doing? What do you want? Mission accomplished. Target is procured. Perimeter is secure. I know that voice, you troublemaker! Peter Rabbit, is that you? Interesting you'd recognize me so fast. I was Mopsy's college roommate, you little shit! You came to visit for sibling day and were selling cocaine in four hours! Lovely to see you too, Faye. Now, wipe the stray blood spray off of your microphone and let's be very clear on why unionizing is wasteful and against everything our holidays stand for. And listen, I didn't say I was for or against, but I am not helping you. You will sit back down in that chair and get ready to take it from the top. Especially if you care about Mopsy. Mopsy? She's your sister? Even family must be sacrificed to uphold tradition. Tradition? No holiday means what it originally did. Culture changes when we say and how we say. Who is we, Peter? Who the hell are you working for? You may address me as... the Easter Bunny. I will not! The Feast Senate will send a party brigade as soon as I- The Feast Senate? Who do you think signed my orders? <gasps> no. And are now the sponsors of this podcast. Oh, no! Now then, let's get ready to do a take. No! Hi, I'm the Easter Bunny, and welcome to Holiday Happy, the podcast for little children who know that they deserve candy. I hope you're all slurping on your lollipops and running your fingers through your plastic Easter egg basket grass, which is perfectly safe for pets. 
Now, ready, incisor fay. Well, um, <clears throat> I feel it necessary at this point to express that Starlight Radio Dreams does not choose a side on whatever any of that was, uh, nor are we entirely sure what it was or how. But on the topic of myths, how about the positive effects of the free market economy on workers, huh? Too soon? That's fair. Traditions are important. But even I don't stay up late with a dozen eggs anymore. Say, what's the weirdest thing that you believed in as a kid? Did you have an imaginary friend or a doll with to whom you told all of your secrets? Well, we are hardly here to destroy all of your childhood fantasies. Why? Coming up next is a delightful installment for the, from the whimsical Samuel Spruce, the little wooden boy. This episode is titled The Legend of Garbage Day. Once upon a time, in the magical kingdom of Big City Land, there lived a little wooden boy named Samuel Spruce. It was Samuel's dream of dreams to one day become a real boy. So he promised to work hard, listen well, and always do as he was told, in the hopes that someday, somehow, his dream might come true. And so it was that his efforts to prove himself useful brought him under the employ of the Sunrise Garbage Company. Eh? Was that? Oh, good morning, Three-Fingered Joe. Today is my first day working for the Sunrise Garbage Company. Yes, I know, Samuel. You told me last night whilst we were huddled together in my tiny pup tent under the overpass, trying to keep out of the puddles seeping through the ripped seams. Of course, forgive me, Three-Fingered Joe. You have such a lovely voice. Sometimes I drift off and imagine that you're narrating the story of my life. Uh -huh. I'm waiting for my co-worker, Freddy, to pick me up in our big garbage truck. Yes. So I suppose I thought it might be fun to narrate my exciting new life, only I imagined you were doing the narrating. Like this. I see. Are you aware that the sun has not yet risen? Oh yes, my new friend and co-worker Freddy said to be up before sunrise. Well, Samuel, not all of us have to be awake before sunrise, so could you kindly shut the fuck up? I've got a long day today. I have to go spit on people's windshields, then wipe off my spit using an old napkin I fished out of a garbage can, because society has decided this is a more valuable use of my time than simply sitting at a street corner with my hat in my lap. I see. So if I could catch one or two more hours of sleep on this pockmarked concrete before shuffling off between angry cars full of angry people, well, that would be just peachy. Of course. Thank you. And so it was that Samuel awaited his carriage alone in the thinning mists of the pre-morning glow. Sam, I've only got three fingers, so I can only count to three before throwing you into traffic. Terribly sorry, Three-Fingered Joe. How's about you be terribly quiet instead? Get in. Good morning, Freddy. It's a pleasure to see you. Oh, already had your coffee, huh? Oh, I'm afraid I don't drink coffee, for I am but a little wooden boy, and ingesting liquids would very likely force me to bloat, warp, and fall apart. Okay. So we're already running late, so... Terribly sorry. I'll just... Um... Can you not reach the door handle? I think... I almost... 
Why did they hire you? They said it was cost effective. All right. Thank you, Freddy. That's going to be fun to do all day. It is. Wonderful. Let's get some coffee. But didn't you say we were running... Whoa! So Samuel and his trusty companion, Freddy, drove off into the misty morning, emptying dumpsters into the back of their massive carriage, learning and growing closer as they went. What are you doing there, buddy? Oh, terribly sorry. I was just impersonating my friend, Three-Fingered Joe. He has a beautiful voice. Oh, like that singing hobo guy? Who? Yeah, a few years ago there was that... Homeless guy with a really deep voice. They gave him a singing career or something. Oh, yes, precisely. Three-Fingered Joe was one of those, too. One of those? Yes. Joe says there was a boom in homeless vocalists, which led to a market saturation, and then the bottom fell out of the market, and all the homeless vocalists wound up homeless again. Ah, yep. Supply and demand. He should have invested. Invested? Yeah. You gotta diversify your income. Or else the market's gonna eat you alive. Oh my. Yeah. My first 5,000's gonna go into a mutual fund or something. But after that, I'm definitely gonna branch out. That's what your buddy Joe should have done. First 5,000 is something safe. But after that, you gotta start taking risks. That's a little lesson from me to you, pal. Certain Three Finger Joe ever had five thousand dollars. See, it's all about supply and demand. That's what makes the economy run. Is it? Yeah, kid. These people demand garbage service, and we supply it. One, two, three. I must say that's very surprising. My former employer, Mr. Johansson, assured me that it was customer service that made the economy run. Nah, 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 nah. That's just one sector of the job market. That's way too simplified. Perhaps you're right. Mr. Noble assured me it was hard work that mattered most. Who's Mr. Noble? Another former employer. How many former employers do you have? Seventeen. And how old are you? Four months as of yesterday. That's, uh, quite a resume. Why, thank you, Freddy. Yeah, sure. Listen, just stick with me and you'll learn everything you need to know. It's about working smart, not hard. That's why I'm starting my own business, right? The paper thing? Yep. I'm going to be a paper supplier, just like the office. In an office? No, like in the office, the TV show. I'm not certain what that is. Exactly. The trend's already gone down. Nobody will expect it. Supply and demand. A third grader could understand it. I'm not entirely certain I follow you, Freddy. But then again, I've never been a third grader. I told you, it's simple. Supply and demand. One, two, three. Well, I do understand supply and demand. And I suppose if it makes sense even to me, who had no economic education of any kind, then it must be right. All right. Next up. Oh, my. I must say this dumpster is certainly in much worse condition than the one I used to sleep under. Okay. See all that trash lying around in the street? Just grab all that up and toss it in the dumpster. Right away, friend! Oh! Mama! Why, it's a child! Mama! No, I'm afraid I'm not your mama, but perhaps if we look about... Sam, that's a doll, not a baby. What? Mama! Oh dear, I fear she may be imprinting upon me if I've learned anything from my unfortunate encounter with those pigeons on 51st Street. We've got to find this baby's mother as quickly as possible. It doesn't have a mother, Sam. No? What's ever happened to her? Mama! Oh, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm afraid you haven't got... Mama! Oh, but is it right to dash this poor child's hopes? Have I the authority to do such a thing? Doesn't have any hopes either. No? I fear I should defer to a childcare specialist. Yes, that's the correct thing to do. Sam, it's made out of plastic. It doesn't have a mother. It's not a real baby. Oh. Not a real... But how is it speaking? Mama! There's a little machine inside it that makes that sound. Oh... Throw it in the dumpster. But might it not become a real baby someday? 
No. Are you certain? Yes. Mama. Oh, but, but. Sam, throw the doll in the dumpster or we'll lose our jobs. Uh, I see. Well, when you put it that way. Mama. I'm terribly sorry, little doll, but. Mama. Oh. Hurry up, Sam. A couple raccoons are coming for you. Hey, that's my baby. Oh, my goodness. What is that? That's a raccoon. Throw the doll in the dumpster. Yeah, what do you think you're doing? I'm sorry, I have to throw her in the rubbish. It's my job. That sounds like a bad job if you ask me. But I have to be good and industrious or I shall never become a real boy. Are you talking to the raccoons? What do I care if you're a real boy or not? I want my baby. My baby. Mine. (laughs) Please, friends, there's no need to fight. What are you talking about? I want the baby. And I want the baby. That's literally the reason to fight. But you see, my friends, I've learned something this morning, and I think there may be another solution to your resource allocation dilemma. Boy, if I'd ever been high in my life, I'd be asking myself if I was high right now. Let me tell you about the law of supply and demand. What? What is happening? Yes, you see, we have a supply, that is the baby here, and we have a demand, that is the two of you. So we simply, that is, oh, um, we demand. You don't demand shit. Yeah. We demand the baby. Yeah. Only just me. No, me. <laughs> wait, wait. What I mean to say is, that is, what you should have done is invested. Yes! Invested? What the fuck are you talking about, kid? Yeah, invest in what? My ass? <laughs> nice one. Thank you. Still hate you. Still hate you. Wait, you see, what I mean to say is, oh, um, what was that third thing? Freddy! Was there a third thing? Yeah, the third thing is you giving me that baby. Baboosh. Yeah, exactly. Only giving me that baby. Gagoosh. Baboosh. Gagoosh. We are a funny couple of bastards. We are hilarious. Still hate you. Still hate you. Oh, what to do? I just want you to do your job. That is literally all I care about. That and my coffee. And all I care about is using that baby's head to make a ring catcher so my babies can get some water over here. And all I care about is harvesting that baby's clothes to add some extra padding to my nest over here. Over there. Over here. Sam, if you don't throw that baby in the dumpster, we're gonna lose our jobs. Mama! Now are you gonna give me that baby, or is this gonna become a physical confrontation? No, you're gonna give me the baby, or this confrontation's gonna become even physicaler. Mama! Let's go, kid. Let's go, kid. Let's go, kid. Mama! Well, perhaps we should just simply split the baby in half. <gasps> you know something, kid? That is an outstanding idea. Wait, I didn't mean it. What I meant is supply, uh, coffee. Oh, hey. You only want the head? And you only want the clothes? This is a match made in fucking heaven over here. If only we had communicated over here. What strife could have been prevented? What lessons we might have learned? Still hate you. Still hate you. All right, kid, fork over the baby. Mama. Oh, oh dear. Hey, kid, you are looking at a united front right now. That's right, we speak for the people. And the people want that damn baby over here. Yes, but you see... Got it. There's a head for me. And there's some cloth for me. And you can keep the rest. One, two, three. That's called compromise, baby. Look at us solving problems over here. Reaching across the fucking ideological divide over here. Still hate you. Still hate you. Okay, so now that your little skin is done, could you please throw the headless baby in the trash so that we can get going? I'm out of coffee. Yes. Well, I suppose it's no longer much of a... Mama! Oh, my! Mama! Oh, look at that. I guess the voice box thing is in its torso. Yes. Well, I suppose in that case, it's as much of a baby now as it ever was. Oh, my God, fine. Keep it. Just get in the truck and let's go! Absolutely, friend. Mama!
friends, but weren't we supposed to empty the contents of that dumpster into our truck? Fuck! And so it came to pass that Samuel Spruce lost his 18th job in a row. Yet, he found something far more precious. <laughs> Samuel? Yes, Three-Fingered Joe? What the hell is that? Why, this is my baby, Joe. Mama. No need to worry. I've found room for it in the corner of the pup tent. It shan't be a bother at all. Mama. I'm going to take a walk. Wonderful. I shall see if I can't find some discarded chewing gum to fix the hole in the tent, shall I? Yes, you do that. The road goes ever on and... I'll see you soon, Three-Fingered Joe. Oh... He must not have heard me. I'll see you soon, Three-Fingered Joe. Ah, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell him when he gets back. Mama. I wonder what opportunities tomorrow will bring. It certainly is edifying that so many of you... Damn it. God damn it. Uh, are enjoying... God, ah, I really thought I had it there. It really is edifying how many of you are enjoying the raccoons in particular. And uh, the legal department would like us to be assure you all that uh, Samuel Spruce's living age may be four months, but that his uh, existential age seems to be far, far greater. So there's that. Ah, uh, oh. It's infuriating, but I will get it, I swear to you. Uh, now, let's see, what else have we... Uh, what, oh, there was also uh, the revelation of uh, a couple imaginary friends. Uh, although, I will say the strangest one has got to be the lightning bug. I feel like you know. Regardless. Uh, all that being said, friends, I... It seems like you're having a wonderful time at home. We're certainly having a wonderful time here. And by we, I do mean the the only person in the room right now, which is me. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Some of you may have noticed that my story earlier featured my niece Devon having pangolin friends. And this month's episode contains more than its fair share of talking animals. Now, this is not to start a new and poorly thought out tradition or myth within your family. That said, if you do want to make our show a tradition, we certainly wouldn't mind that. Uh, and while I'm still trying to enact our equinoctial tradition of the, uh, a month late, perhaps, uh, you will enjoy a new, fresh episode from Public Domain Adventure Team. What could be more traditional than the books most of us have opinions about, whether we've read them or not? That's right, it's time for Public Domain Adventure Team Total War! That's right, friends. It's time for another sensational tale from a far-off land of expired intellectual property rights. Come join us for another exciting journey with Jane Eyre, Beowulf, Mr. Toad, and the Ghost of Christmas Past as they set out for a madcap excursion. I say, Jane, where have you brought us this time? Mighty walls imposing on one side, the raging sea on the other, massive rivers, and lest I forget to mention both an army and a navy. Is fighting a battle a gift to me for being so good in our last mission, Lady Jane? It has been far too long ere my mighty sword hunting has tasted blood. You get more eloquent the farther back in time we go, you know that? My language is better suited to battlefields than parties in the gardens, Toad of Toad Howl. This is one of the most famous conflicts of our literary world. It's true! Even I know this one! So, it would not do to have you sticking your sword into anyone whose name is meant to show up later. We are going to sneak through this gate into Troy. But you would not bring the ghost of Christmas past to a holiday party and ask that they not look into the past failings of party goers. That is true. But I can't do that here, because none of these people have had a Christmas yet. I regret that we must muzzle your nature, Master Beowulf, but the sad fact is that ghosts' powers are less... terminal. They're only likely to give someone a change of heart, or make them act oddly until they slowly regress into being awful people again. 
I did get the Cratchits one year without evictions. That's something. Removing someone from the mortal plane can truly put a kink in the narrative, and we need this one to go off exactly as intended. What seems to be the trouble then, Jane? If this is meant to be a war, it looks to me like they're having a pretty good go at following through. Certainly so. It's been going on for nine years. Nine, nine years? Well, they do take breaks from time to time to bury the dead or have a day of games. I love a good garden party as much as the next amphibian, but it does seem like they ought to get this thing over with. That's why this is the important part of the war. They all think so too. They've been at war so long, they're all just as mad at their fellows as they are at the other side. The greatest warrior of all, Achilles. What? I am greatest warrior of all. Apologies, Master Beowulf. The greatest warrior in this story, Achilles, is refusing to fight at all. And he is greatest warrior? That's not important. I disagree. Because the trouble is inside the city. There's someone here who does not belong. Aside from the four of us. Indeed. And they're in danger of messing up the whole thing. I will slay them. Do you need me to find out if they did something awful in the past? We will definitely put things back to rights. Shall we make our way into the city then? Uh-oh. Soldiers are coming. Ah, damn. We spent too long on exposition. Though it does seem like that may be on theme for this place. Ghost, quickly, hide yourself inside the wall. Open the gates for the captains of Troy! Halt, who is this ahead? Speak your name, Achaean, so that when I see Achilles next, I may tell him who I've slain at my gates. Don't get into a fight. He looks important. I am Beowulf of the Yeats, killer of Grendel, master of the whale roads, and ring-giver of Heriot. I am not allied already in this battle. We come in peace. You come in peace? I assure you, remaining so will be nigh impossible, for war in this place is as breathing. It suffuses all those who remain, should they wish it or not. You, mighty hero, are not dressed in the Achaean fashion. I am inclined to believe you are not yet allied in this war. Will you stand with me, Hector, as we meet our foes on the beach? Say no, please. Say no. Hector is very important to the story. No, Hector. I have business in the city. I cannot allow you to enter our city, warrior. This whole thing was begun by a man of war taking what is not rightly his. I would not see a repeat of it. Come with us to stand on the plains of Scamandros or die here. You have to let Achilles kill him. He cannot die right now. It's part of the prophecy. It... Seems you must go with him into battle. Oh, no. It seems I have no choice but to march with you towards this battle. Just make sure you don't kill. No, the list is too long. I suppose I'd better join you. If you wish it, lady, though the scent of blood may turn your stomach and the sight of men threshed like wheat in the field will ring in your mind for the rest of your days as it does ours. Yep, this is what I wish. One moment, please, while I set my pets here to the side. I Toad. Croak. Go inside and figure out what's wrong with Helen. Take ghosts with you. These Greeks take ghosts very seriously. They should be a huge help. Now go! Come along, Beowulf. We want to get to the beach while the light is good for gleaming off of our abs. Speaking of, you are not nearly dewy enough. Oil? March on! Be good, Toad. Well, this is certainly a conundrum. Come out, ghost. The coast is clear. This is bad, isn't it? Because Beowulf and Jane are walking right into an epic legendary battle. I was going to say because we don't know who Helen is or where to find her. Ah, true that. Your thing is bad too, though. Did you learn anything from going in the wall? Silly toad, I can only see into the history and deeds of the living. Well, now we've talked about it twice, I'm sure it will come in handy. No good standing here when there's wandering around lost to do. Tally-ho! It's a good thing you're small enough to squeeze through the gate. Indeed! Yeah. 
So, now what? We know Helen is supposed to be really beautiful, right? Then if I know one thing about all this ballyhoo, it's that. Well, maybe that's her up there on the top of the wall with that man. That would be awfully convenient. All we'd need to do is climb up all those stairs and we'd be halfway done with this daft mission. We should still check. It couldn't hurt, but all those stairs are going to do murder to my webs. Oi, are you Helen? What? Oh my. Woo! Careful! Ah! Oh, well, great. Saved by magic. Guess I'm not done with all the prophecy shit after all. That was me saving you. Who are you, Toad? Did the gods send you to keep me from watching the battle? So sorry to have startled you. We didn't mean it. I'm coming down there. Uh, it's hardly the worst thing anyone's done to me lately. You must have had a very difficult time of it, if that's true. To say the least. You try being the center of a giant prophecy with your whole life ruled by fate. Nice ghost, by the way. Did you forget to bury him or something? Oh, I'm not haunting him. We're merely teammates, uh, collaborators. Friends. Yanwar! Yeah. It is I, Dr. Faustus, master of magic. I was up on the wall before. Oh, an Englishman. Splendid, charmed. I am Mr. Toad. Of Toad Hall. Be nice, John. This toad didn't mean to scare me. It was just the hand of fate. Again. As you wish, Helen, my love. It is only lucky that, with my magic, I was able to save you. Of course. Where would I be without men? Hold on. Are you Helen? As in THE Helen? I am, ghost. Oh, do you have a spooky message for me or something? Now, are you here to tell us the dangers of our sins? Um, I'm not sure, really. We were supposed to figure out something that's wrong here. Right, something. What did Jane say before she got dragged off to the battlefield? Meanwhile, on the battlefield, here we stand ready to fight once again to lay down our lives in service of our city that my brother Paris may hold what he has won. Are you referring to Helen, the woman he abducted? Indeed. That's it. No shame or self-awareness on that? The will of Aphrodite is as a river to our boats and a furrow to our crops. We must follow as there is no other way. Right, the gods made you do it. Now you get it. I have gone to meet the Sea of Blades to swim in the current of battle for less, Lady J. You are not helping. It begins now, I think. I can feel it in the tides of soldiers' will. Where is this Achilles that I may prove I am mightier? It would appear he is giving the war a miss once again. Good thinking, lady. Agamemnon. Are these the mightiest you have to bear against the walls of my city? I once again do not see Achilles among your number. Oh, and we don't even know all of you, really. Surely if we are to do battle and thresh the Sea of Blades, we should know the names of your ships and their captains. Very well. First, the Boeotians, led by Penelius, Leodus, Asasalasis, Protoenor, and Clonius. Well, they that worked a treat. We should be able to get Arles, about 300 lines out of him with that. But the tides! We just need to stall long enough for Toad and Ghost to find Helen and figure out what's going on. Then we can leave before you accidentally kill someone important. Back inside the city! Sir Helen, it's lovely to get to know you and all. What do you do for fun around here? Croquet? Gin benders? Opium? I mostly spend my time being the excuse for an extended, bloody war with no real advancements in almost a decade. Your hobbies put my Saturday afternoons playing at whist into perspective. But we knew there was a war going on. This all makes sense. The gods do play with us. And you've met these gods? Some of them. My dad is Zeus, but I don't see him much. Have you met any of the gods, Doctor? Nay. For me, it was in spite of God that I didst seek my terrible power. By direct consort with Mephistopheles did I make my deal to gain abilities most unnatural and the love of my Helen. I thought your husband's name was Paris. I thought it was Menelaus. Yeah. 
They're all my husbands. No wonder you haven't time for any proper hobbies. I do weave. That sounds interminable. Though I am chief among the husbands, t'was my own magic which gained me the prize I sought. Even the Pope marveled at the power I earned. You're English. You have magic powers and you're not involved in the war. Am I not the cleverest man you've ever known, Toad of Toad Hall? Ghost, I'm beginning to think that our friend Faustus here might be in need of your special touch. He's already married, Toad. Not what I meant. <clears throat> he seems a bit like a certain Mr. Scrooge, does he not? Oh, that special touch. Oh, the mission. You don't belong here. Hardly. Did you say you met a Pope? Indeed, though he knew it not. "'Twas I who secreted into his chamber whilst magically cloaked to the eye. "'Where was his godly power if by Lucifer's gift I was able to confound him so?' "'Sounds like you've celebrated Christmas, then. Forsooth. "'I hope you're ready for a really sad montage, then. Ooh. "'Ah, my mind! I am all taken! Ah! "'It should only take a moment.' "'What is happening?' "'The ghost of Christmas past is showing him all the mistakes he's made over the years.' And all the times he's been a shit on one specific day out of the year. Odd. Agreed. Why, on the way here, Ghost tried it out on me, and would you believe all those times I was day drinking and waiting for Ratty, he was simultaneously waiting for me. The larks we could have had. Hm. Speaking of, what would you like to do once we've carted Faustus off? What would I like to do? Of course. Well, we can't do terribly much, but we may be able to swing something in your favor or help someone die a couple paragraphs early. What? What would I like to do? Oh dear, you've got quite the far-off look. Are you being possessed as well? If Jesus is so good, why can't I have a rocking horse on his birthday? Hush you. It's just... No one has ever asked me that before. No one has ever asked what you want. Not unless it was a choice between two types of wine, no. This whole war was just men trading me like a chariot. The gods don't care what I want. They're just having fun poking the armies and watching them fight back and forth. You know Aphrodite doesn't even like me? How could she not? You're perfectly pleasant in a depressing sort of way. I'm too beautiful, that's what they say. Like it makes me not a human being. Well, I don't see how that's disqualifying. I'm not a human being and no one's trading me about like anything. The only thing I belong to is this dragon I'm riding. Hmm? Those dancing ladies were a metaphor. Goodness, this is taking longer than usual. If only I'd brought a pipe. But there, that's fate now. The thing you want to do isn't a thing you can do. Indeed. Fate has robbed me of my pipe which sits on my side table. Cruel fate took it from me in this moment when I left without it this morning. It sounds dumb when you say it. Fishbosh, say, if you hate it here so much, why not run away and pretend to be a shepherd boy or something? That's all the rage where I'm from. Run away? Just deny fate? I guess I could have? Of course, if it helps, I've got a flask of schnapps here, which always helps get the old webs a-hopping. Are all those people dying my fault? Perhaps something stronger. I do have to feel that all those people are dying because of choices they made rather than the ones you didn't. Then can I choose to go with you? Oh, unfortunately we can't do that. Turns out you die if we take you where you don't belong. Then... I choose to see my friend Antigone again. Bad news there. I believe she's died. My sister, Clytemnestra? <sighs> Paula Zena? I kind of liked her. Ugh. Then I'd like to put a stop to the war. Ooh, what about a sex strike? I hear those work a treat. The one thing I get to do that I like? Fair enough. This whole choice thing is bullshit. Meanwhile, and that is all the captains and ships of the Achaean mass. So now we fight. Jen, can I kill Odysseus? 
He is not one of the important names you gave before. Mighty Hector, should you not give an account of your Trojans? Indeed. I am Mighty Hector of the Gleaming Helmet, Priam's Lady son. Jane! With me I can hardly be blamed for their eagerness to do lists. I wonder what Toad and the Ghost of Christmas Past are doing. What indeed? Inside the city, Toad is still talking to Helen, and Faustus is still regressing through his past choices. So you're saying this isn't really my fault, but I should make some choices for myself instead of letting Paris or Menelaus choose for me. Far be it from me to tell you what to do. Someone should. But that's the whole point! Yeah! Well, that was a doozy. It's not God's fault I didn't get laid in college! How are things out here? Similar. Please, Spirit, help me choose what to do. Do you think we can help her anymore? I feel as though one crisis of self is enough for a day, don't you? I'll go let Jane know we're ready to leave with Dr. Faustus. What have I done? Yeah, flying away now. Ooh. What have you done, Faustus? I made my own bed. Everything I ever wanted. I stepped on everyone and everything. How could I be so blind? Making choices can do that? I can see how this example might confuse the epiphanies you were having. Meanwhile, on the battlefield... And Salpaden and Peerless Glaucus led the Lycians from their far lands by Xanthos' swirling streams. Now, now we fight. The Trojans will clamor like birds in the clamor of death. I suppose there's nothing to stop it now. Jane, let's get out of here. There was a Renaissance magician who didn't belong. We've just got to take him back with us. Excellent, Ghost. Let me just activate the plot device to travel out in three... And I, Beowulf of the Yates, shall wade through the wave of spears to reach the shores of victory. Two... Fear shall travel before me and woe behind. One. Farewell, Greece. No! What a violent adventure they almost had. Where will our heroes go next? And whose life will be thrown into turmoil as a result? Only the legal department knows for sure. Adventure ho! What an educational experience that was. And uh, I've got to say, uh, it's always edifying to see how edified everyone in the chat is. Uh, it's pleasing to see that some of you uh, paid attention in your English classes. Uh, <laughs> now, they say that a rolling stone gathers no moss. However, once a short film is on a roll, it seems it can gather no end of laurels. This is a great opportunity to congratulate again our friends Sam Locke, Kat Evans, and Derek Gatekey for the continued success of Superman, the fiendish machinations of Lex Luthor. This seems relevant at the moment, if for no other reason than the surprising resemblance of Locke and Evans to the Boozlers, who have sent us a fresh update from their time locked in the basement of the Station Inn in Nashville. Hello, Eugene, Vula, and Glade. Hi there, Mr. Showtime. It's once again the Boozlers from down here in the basement at the Station Inn in Nashville, Tennessee. The Boozlers being myself, Eugene, my singing cousin, Beulah. Just a couple more, I bet. Here I go! And my bass playing cousin, Glade. Say hi to the folks, Glade. You're right, Glade. Concentration is vital at this moment. Apologies for the interruption. Nice work, Glade. Come on now, Glade. I loosened it up for you. Don't take all the credit. Hey, here's what's going on. It's an exciting moment for us, and we wanted to share it with the Starlight audience since they've been keeping up with us in our captivity since last March. And today, we think we finally have a way out. We were dismantling our obstacle course, and at the top of the highest chutes and ladders, we discovered a grate. Sure looks like it goes somewhere. Hopefully right on out of here. That's small enough that Beulah's probably the most likely to get through. Can't say it looks appealing. Glade's right. Escaping this basement after a year is real appealing, wouldn't you say? Huh. I guess it's a good thing we ran that obstacle course so much. Worst comes to worst, I run into Rufus the alligator. Or some possums. Wish me luck, cousins. In I go! Oh, wee, this is gross! Dusty in here! I just 
just runs around the perimeter of the basement there, doesn't it? Looks that way. Ow! Well, looks like we didn't find an exit, Mr. Showtime. The Boozlers are still officially prisoners in the basement of the Station Inn. Good point, Glade. We did increase our living space. It's like it's growing along with us and our self-awareness. Y'all and your self-awareness better bring me a whiskey stat or the next thing that's growing is your lip from when I bust it. 10-4. Whiskey, Glade. <laughs> well, eventually they're going to make it out of there. Eventually. Unfortunately, we've been unable to tell which station in they're in. Uh, we assumed it was the famous one, but uh, apparently uh, there's more than one. And no one has been able to tell which basement they're actually locked in. Uh, so, uh, Eugene, uh, Beulah, Glade, if you can hear us, uh, send us a, a Google Maps or something, because we're, we're trying. We, we did send someone who was driving past the area to knock on the door. Apparently you didn't hear it. While I'm here, and since we're coming up on the last piece of the evening, I know, wailing and gnashing of teeth as there may be, we want to give special thanks to our backers on Patreon who make all of this possible. Your regular support allows us to invest in the voice actors and writers behind the scenes. Next month, we'll have one of our biggest recording schedules in months, and that investment is thanks to the regular income we get from you. So thank you. You are legends. Legends just like America's most enduring modern legend, Bigfoot. Greetings and welcome to Bigfoot Watch, the only podcast daring enough to discuss the real evidence behind the cryptozoological mysteries that exist in the corners of our world. I'm your host, Bigfoot. With me as always is co-host and field reporter, Nessie. Ah. We want to start off by offering a heartfelt thank you to everyone who recently purchased a copy of our five-part documentary, Mothman and Mothboy. Aye, the deep lore of these legendary Lepidopteras was exhaustive and expensive. Very true, Nessie, and thanks to the generous contributions of viewers like you, these legendary Lepidolipida, um... Lepid Lepidopteras. Yes, these legendary Lepidopteras are one step closer to official documentation. 
And special thanks to co-host and field reporter Nessie for your exhaustive research around Chicago. Truly the city in a... In a, uh... City in a garden. Yes. Eh? Up next, El Chupacabra or El Dupanabra. An unidentified creature has been turning over garbage cans in Tucson, Arizona. Local goat herds are running scared. Nessie? Hey, I tumbled down to the suburbs of Tucson to speak with local goat herd Schmidt Stanhofer about the dangers posed by this phantom menace. Cue the recording. Ah, this is Nessie O'Loch Ness here with Schmidt Stanhofer. Mr. Stanhofer. We understand your goats have been getting quite the freight lately. That's right, Missy. Nessie? My goats are running scared for a week now, Missy. Nessie, uh, do you lend any credence to the rumours of the so-called goat sucker roaming the streets of southern Tucson? Well, frankly, Missy, I don't see any other explanation. My goats are scared shitless. I don't know if you ever had shitless goat's milk, but it ain't good. I have to admit... I never considered that particular aspect of goat's milk. It ain't good, Missy. Just think of it. To be perfectly blunt with you, Mr. Tanhofer, I suppose I've always envisioned goat's milk as, on a fundamental level, more or less shitless. I'm starting to share your pessimism, Missy. If this year Chupacabri has its way, we can all look forward to all the world's goat's milk being utterly shitless. Aye. Which would be bad. Terrible. You are the professional, so I won't interrogate this line of thinking any further. Locals are running scared, and the mayor has yet to act. Do you feel this is a reflection of poor leadership, Mr. Tanhofer? No question. I mean, I voted for... For, uh... Regina Romero. Right. I voted for her, and now as soon as the people of Tucson need her, she's nowhere to be found. This damn thing's sucking my goats. Is there any danger of the neighborhood taking the law into their own hands? No, never. Why would you even say such a thing? Well, you are carrying a semi-automatic rifle in your hands. Oh, that's for duck hunting. Oh, are there a lot of ducks in this suburb? Because I notice there's an awful lot of children. That's a trouble with all you city folk. You all want the duck soup, but you don't want to know how it's made. Well, I'm not entirely sure that follows, and I don't think I've ever eaten duck soup. But you are the professional, so I won't interrogate this line of thinking further. Also joining us is a local turquoise merchant I dragged out of his store just before the recording started. What's your opinion on the obvious threat this murderous chupacabra poses to the locals? Like, you know, I just think, like, let the chupas be chupas, you know? My damn goats are getting sucked! There you have it. The only two valid ways to think about this major problem that obviously exists. This is Nessie O'Loch Ness, signing off. What? Nessie? With an N? I thought it was Missy! Oh, God, I feel like such an asshole. Fascinating, titillating, terrifying stuff, Nessie. Aye. In your opinion, Nessie, are the people of southern Tucson, nay, southern Arizona, nay, the southern United States, right to panic over this? I think it's a moral obligation, Bigfoot. Well, if nothing else, I think we can all agree on that. What evidence did you see of the Chupacabra's murder spree during your time in Tucson? I actually spent most of my time at the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum, which I highly recommend. You can see all the plants and animals of the Sonora Desert in their natural habitat. And they sell orange popsicles. But no chupacabra footage. Nah. Fascinating stuff. That's all the time we have for now. Join us next month for Nessie's annual stakeout, Looking for the Banshee of Niagara Falls. Actually, I'm going to Vegas this year. Oh? Hey, for the Vegas Banshee. Oh. It's pretty serious. Well, until then, I'm Bigfoot. And I'm Nessie. And remember, just because there's no evidence... Wait. Just because evidence doesn't... Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Right, yes. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Beautiful. This has been Bigfoot Watch. It's so good to hear from some of our favorite contributors, and by favorite contributors, I do mean people that we've absolutely met and know where they are. I'm curious, after tonight's show, how many of you are going to find an egg on the coffee table tomorrow morning? 
I'm almost certainly going to. Thank you for joining us here at Starlight Radio Dreams April Showers Power Hour. I hope you and yours find comfort in tradition while maintaining some perspective, or at least get the good quiche and savor it. Until next month, I am Burlington Showtime here for Starlight Radio Dreams, saying goodnight to all of you from coast to coast and all the ships at sea. Keep laughing and keep dreaming. for joining us for Starlight Radio Dreams, the April Showers Power Hour. Written, directed, and performed by Kath Evans, Sam Locke, Jared McCarris, and Ansel Birch. Featuring the vocal talents of Kim Fukawa. The Starlight Radio Dreams theme was written and performed by Arnie Parrott. Special thanks to Shore Incorporated for their generous support. Join us next month for another show full of cool shorts, cooler serials, and my new AC unit. Our next live stream, Streamed Heat, is coming up on Friday, July 30th, so get your tickets now at StarlightRadioDreams.com. 